I, I think the poet or the filmmaker or the musician, the poet must not avert his eyes. You must not avert your eyes. This is what is coming at us. One Good Thing, the podcast that tries to find the giant teddy bear suit that has Sean Connery in it, because by God, there is one. I'm Paul Sold. I'm an archetypal English gent. Oh, not Mm. jolly good, because I happen to also be an archetypal English gentleman. Oh, well, lucky listeners, is all I could say. I am also very self-assured, which one might read as a sort of detachment from whatever is going on around me. Would you like some tea? Ooh, only if it's hot and strong. Like our penises, cocks would have been funnier. <laughs> I don't. I don't say that word. I'm a gent, after all. Of course, yes, naturally, yes. I'm frightfully. I'm. I'm red in the face from the word penis alone. Oh, I said it again. Oh, good oh, lord. What is wrong with you? Honestly, yeah. You must calm yourself down and have a nice mug of oral sex. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> honestly. Lowered the tone already, despite uh, the accents. Don't let the accents fool you. We're bad boys. We are. We're the worst. Right? Oh, look at this. What did your mama say about us? <laughs> oh, is that a John Thomas? <laughs> Again, I think it might just be. Ooh. Ooh. Today we shall be discussing the Avengers, Jeremiah Chechik's 1998 film version of the classic 60s spy spoof TV show. This specimen was scraped up from the petri dish of the Video Negative podcast at Video Negative on Twitter. It's another oh, gulp, swallow, fuckity bum movie podcast, so you know it's a good one. Uh, these sweet boys get surgical on bad movies from the 90s, which, Ooh. to be honest, is a little esoteric. There's so much wrong with the 90s that, I don't know, singling out movies is kind of like walking into a house fire and going, oh, now my shoes are ruined. <laughs> uh, you've got 90s fashion, 90s music. Love it. Love it. Except the rave scene, which is pretty good. Yep. Uh, Oasis. What was that about? Anyway, terrible time. I was ages 4 to 14 then, and nothing good happened except once I kicked a boy named Oliver up the arse. Uh, Paul, any uh, 90s tales to regale us with? Um, well, during the 90s, I went under the name Oliver, and um, it was a shocking decade for me. <laughs> Just the worst. Excellent. So thank you very much, Video Negative Podcast. Uh, Paul, put away the tears. Put them away. I'll put them in my tear box, <laughs> which I'll, I'll relish later. Cry them onto your John Thomas. <laughs> and f- it's all right. I have feel good about that. I have my auntie's muff to comfort me. Now, uh, I'm rather afraid to tell you this, um, old Bean, but the uh, the film was considered to be a rather shockingly bad show by critics. Cripes. Yes, I know. Uh, Michael Wilmington, uh, who I believe is penning for the Chicago Tribune these days, hmm. uh, said it was a smorgasbord of bad ideas, sumptuously overrealized. Oof. Oh, look how over-realized those ideas Fuck are. me. Um, meanwhile, uh, Godfrey Cheshire. Mm. Oh, yes. Good name. Yes. Solid name. Solid British name. Over at Variety, a solid British institution. Yes. Said what's missing is chemistry. The right blend of seriousness and whimsy. And charmingly compelling interplay between leads Ralph Fiennes and Uma Thurman. Rafe Fiennes. Um, I think you'll find that's actually Ral- Rafe Nathaniel Twistleton Wickham Fiennes. Touché. Touche indeed, sir. Yes. Um, and Charlie and Susie Common Folk found it just as frightful. Mount Kavair, 
over IMDb, that's how I'm choosing to pronounce it, said it was worse than my wildest nightmares, and I've got a pretty excellent imagination. Oh, you should have written the film then. (laughs) You bragger. (laughs) Not all of us have got good imaginations, okay? Some of us have to write Hollywood movies. Charles Cavefra, whatever your name is. You were made up by Donald Trump. The film bombed at the box office, failed even to win any of the seven Razzies for which it was nominated, Uh, and the only real lasting legacy, apart from being a contributing factor in Sean Connery's retirement from movies, is that Marvel's 2012 superhero epic was lumbered with the rather awkward UK alternate title Avengers Assemble. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm a 15-year-old kid. Mm. Like, I love superheroes. A movie comes out called The Avengers, and I think to myself, oh, well, that'll be that 1960s spy spoof television show. So, Paul, you horse's ass. Oh, what did you think of The Avengers 1998? Well, unaffiliated with Marvel. Well, uh, most of all, I like the sexy chit chat, of yeah. which there was much, much. Pick India. You can have a good ten inches overnight there. You know, one should never fear being wet. Much. Mm. Yes, almost yeah. almost every line was a throbbing innuendo. Yes, it was either a throbbing innuendo throbbing or thrust. someone being offered tea or something about the weather. Or yes. it was an innuendo about being offered tea and about the weather. Yes. You can't get all Two lumps. Moist. Yes, please, mummy. Um give me all yeah. the cream in my mouth now. What was uh what was what was the other one? Um what it you- was how would you like a big rampaging cock shove through your mouth? Yes. Now I think that was one of Sean Connery's ad libs. <laughs> Um, you just screamed it. What I hesitate to ask: What happened in this movie? Well, oh, fuck me. It begins in a charming English village with a young Rafe Nathaniel, etc. Yes, just cropping up in order to walk, have a pleasant stroll for an English village. This is England, after all. Yes, and it's perfectly ordinary. You know, he encounters sort of regular figures that you'd expect to see in a in a British village, like um, a bobby. A bobby. Or a milkman. A milky. Or nuns. Nunny. Or... A mummy. There was a nanny, wasn't there? There was a nanny. Yes. And there was a um, head of operations unit. Yes. Yes. Heady. It, it turns out because each of these figures, well, they just go and bloody attack him. Ah. With knives and bottles and babies. That's what the villages are like yeah. around here. So, oh, obviously it was a training exercise. Yes, ha, it was ha, a ha, wonderful thing. Like, that was a um, conceit for a while in the early noughties, you know, that you'd start with an incredibly dangerous situation and also people getting beaten up, and then it would be like, ah, five minutes, six seconds, your personal record. Mm. Like, oh. Well, it would have been easier if I hadn't had to stab the nuns. <laughs> um, Broke each of their necks like fucking chickens. <laughs> yeah. It, go, it goes from there to being... Fuck me. I've forgotten all of it. How does he meet um well, Mrs. Peel? He he invites her to the That's right. It's not the Bullingdon Club. In an incredibly awkward scene, he sends her a telegram telling her to answer the phone. Yes. Which is his secretary or something, telling him to come to the awful club. Yes, because he knew that she never answers the phone she has. And she walks in and Ray finds is naked, but for a newspaper. Yep, you get a little shot of his ass. Yep. Which um, will be great for any Harry Potter fans. Good stuff. Who didn't want to see Voldy's Baldy? Yeah. Voldy's twin Baldies. Voldy's Baldy, yeah. <laughs> um, there is some intrigue. 
um, straight off the bat, he's like, look, Miss Peel, there's some intrigue, all right? And we've got to... Look, pack it in, Miss Peel. Yeah. <laughs> we've got to get you, Dad, office. Sh- shut it, all right? <laughs> so they, they go down They go down to see father and mother. They go to office. And fa- now get this, father is a lady. What? A blind lady. Well, is yeah. she blind? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's never mentioned in the film that she is blind, which is why she walks like an automaton. Which is how Sean Connery beat her in croquet later on. Yes. Okay. He's a cheat. He was and a, a cheat. villain. He was a cheat in Thomas. But we'll get to that. Yes. Bastard. Later. Um, and so if you thought my father being a woman was pretty weird. I think that's pretty weird. And guess wrong. what mother was? Oh, a, a lady. No. A not blind lady. No. What? Jim Broadbent. <laughs> Broadbent. The opposite of a lady. <laughs> yeah. In every capacity. Take, stick that in your face. Smoke it. <laughs> With difficulty. My smoky face. Because you haven't got smoking apparatus. <laughs> ah. You clown. Yeah, it's so, uh, yeah and Mother, play, as played by Jim Broadbent, explains yes. that a secret project intended to control the weather, um, the headquarters, which was run by Dr. Emma Peel, Uma Thurman's character. Yes. It's been ransacked, and some stuff has been stolen, I think. Yes. Um, Who did it? Who stole it? Well, it's some sort of... They've got some CCTV footage of it. Some of that that there... CCTV. And um, what it says is that it was stolen by Emma Peel. Fuck off. (laughs) Oh, no. You wouldn't wouldn't credit it. You couldn't make it up, could you? Probably not. The writers didn't. No. So... Yeah, it it seems that Miss Peel is the one who stole the information. Yes. Um, they then immediately respond to this by not ask by not asking her any questions whatsoever. Yeah. And sending her out to try and investigate a civilian. Yes. Go on then. They say. Yeah. Go on. Off you go. You're so fucking clever. You do it. <laughs> All right, Jim Broadbent. Um. Yeah. So they do that. Yeah. Um, they go off to investigate, starting with. Well, I mean, if if there's something who uh, kinky with the weather going on. You start with Sean Connery's house. Yeah. That's just where you go first. Yes. Um, they mad, go there. Mad inventive scientist Sean Connery. Yes. Uh, Emma Peel goes in alone whilst Ray finds... Stays outside and dicks around with a, a phone box. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Excuse me. A, 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 a phone box in a thunderstorm. Yeah. There's a thunderstorm suddenly strikes the phone bo- yes. box. And it's like, oh, what's going on here? Intrigue, intrigue, intrigue. Yes. And then his next, he steps into like a, a snowy plane. He's in a snowy plane. And then Emma yeah. Peel rides up. Yes. But what? She's, she shoots him. With a fucking harpoon. Yeah. Misses. Which misses. And then she just gets out a gun and shoots and him again. in the chest instead. Yeah. But, but he's never fear wearing a bulletproof waistcoat. Oh, of course. I would expect nothing less from an English gentleman. No. Meanwhile, Emma Peel has gone into the house... To be sexually harassed by Sean Connery. <laughs> Which is the only thing anyone goes into <laughs> Sean Connery's house to do. Um, and then drying her legs with a towel as she's trying to concentrate on something. Yes. He also explains to her his backstory. Yes. Um, he now has the power to control the weather is the takeaway. Yes. From it. So jo- she magically escapes from his house and reappears... With John Steed. Yes. Now, this is where I get a little fuzzy. Do they then get into a car, drive out to the countryside where they are attacked by Eddie Izzard and Sean Ryder? No, because they've already beaten up and possibly killed two of his men. Yes. What happens next? They're in the flat. Rafe Fiennes has just woken up. Emma Peel's there. She is arrested. 
No, that's later, isn't it? That's later. Shit. Okay, the following things happen, not necessarily in this <laughs> order. There is a chase scene in which Eddie yeah. Izzard, playing one of the goons, we don't really establish who he works for, I yeah. guess Sean Connery. Yes. I don't know what Sean Connery wants. Maybe he wants him to appeal dead, or secrets from her, or something. Anyway, there's a chase scene. He wants it. Involving bees. Yeah. Electronic bees that attack the car. Yes. Uh, which they defeat. She gets back into the house again. Yes. This time to be even more harassed by Connery because she mm. gets knocked out. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Rafe finds... What's he doing during this? While she's like trying to escape from... He's wandering around the house. The outskirts yes. of the house. Tapping, tapping on, on windows. windows. That's with it. With his umbrella. As, as um, a member of the working classes might. Yes. You know, looking desperately for food or shelter. Um, Emma Peel... <laughs> looking for a food bank. <laughs> Emma Peel, meanwhile... Yeah, she's trying to escape from this house, but it's illogical. It keeps looping around and round. Yes. There's a Penrose stairs that she gets stuck on. She can't get... She's keep going down. Yeah. There's a door that leads back to the hallway she was in. She smashes a vase and walks. And I remember as a kid finding this scene really anxiety-inducing. Mm. Like, I was really anxious about the fact that she just couldn't make any progress, no matter how fast she ran. Mm. Um, possibly because it was a rather excellent sequence taken from the TV show, but we'll get to that. Could be. It also could have been your mum, uh, who was... Uh, <laughs> Do you remember? That was the day that she 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 kept going. Uh, You're gonna die <laughs> one, one day. day. <laughs> yep, over and over again, <laughs> which would explain it. That would explain it, um, but that wasn't necessarily a rare occurrence. Okay, um, that could be in any film. Yeah, she Sorry. escapes. She jumps through a win- a mirror yeah. window, a mirror window, a mirror. Um, yes, a window. Yep, that too. A window. Any more? Nope. Good. Sean Connery is a wearer. She escapes. Um, Steed picks her up. Only this time, it's her turn Mindor. to be. It's her turn to be unconscious on the sofa whilst John and Steed makes tea. They yes. take turns. Only this time, crash, zoom, nineties action noise. Um, mother walks in. Yes, and she's going to arrest Peel and send John Steed away to be in a different scene. He goes to a basement to visit an invisible man. Yes. Played by Patrick McNee, the original John Steed, uh, who just gives him a nice um, little demonstration on how that accent's meant to sound, yep. how you're meant to wear it, and then explains that um, Sean Connery has a secret island in the middle of London. Yes, he does. Yep. It's the island. He'll probably be there, yeah. he says. <laughs> check, check, <laughs> his, check his secret London island. <laughs> um, he goes there, and it turns out Sean Connery is there, and what he's doing is he's blackmailing the world! Whoa. The whole world. Because he can control the weather now using Emma Pe- Dr. Emma Peel's science machine. Yes. You will buy your weather from me, and by God, you'll pay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what he said. Um, so. How he says it. He does a very bad Sean Connery impression. <laughs> yeah. He went, really went downhill, no wonder he retired. Yeah. <laughs> Best days past him. Definitely. So, this. The this... stage is set. Yes. Emma Peel has been captured. She's being held prisoner. By evil Emma Peel. Yeah. And Steed has come to rescue her from a balloon she's in? She gets into a fucking balloon and it blows... <laughs> she gets into a <laughs> fucking balloon again. It, it blo- and it blows up with, um, I think, with Father in it and with evil Emma Peel. Yes, they both die. Yes. Emma Peel steals her cat suit. Yeah, yes, you'd have to... For the posters. Yeah. Just so she and John Steed can then walk in Zumba balls. Yeah. Um, uh, across a moat to pretty get. Pretty sure they're not called Zumba. I think that's something else, but Z- yes. So, yeah, they get into those balls. Zorbing. Can... Right. Yes. Go to the island where Sean Connery is. And Eddie Izzard. And Eddie Izzard. Cause 
Um, so they defeat Sean Connery. He gets sucked into a lightning bolt. Yes, if you're trying to picture it, that is exactly <laughs> as it sounds. He gets he gets stabbed with a metal rod by John Steed. Yeah, lightning strikes and it lifts him up the off the ground into the sky, where he vanishes with the lightning bolt. Yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, um, that's it. They they have nice a nice cup of tea in their London flat. Yes, on the roof with the roof. Uh, Jim Broadbent. Yay! The as, opposite of a woman, as we can all hope to one day do. Yes. Sorry, we couldn't um, like effectively recall all of that for you, dear listeners. Um, it was <laughs> just, mental. It was mental, but also tremendously light speed, interstellar boring. Yeah. I mean, my God, the fact that there's three sequences in which they go to Sean Connery's house and one of them gets knocked unconscious, only to wake up in the other's flat, yes. is just an extraordinary feat of screenwriting. I mean, there were some 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 very cool ideas in there somewhere. They were L- little... largely lifted from the show, I think. Yeah, yeah, either lifted from the show or their moments, like when, yeah. when um we first have um Sean Connery and his uh well, what what would you call it, syndicate of scientists who are all yes. sort of in it together to to who built this science Machi- yeah. weather machine to blackmail the world um, with. Yes, the the scene begins. They're all in the uh, sitting around this mm. dining table or a, whatever. Yeah. A rich man's table. I don't yes. know the word. Um, all dressed as fluorescent teddy bears. Yes, it's probably all... the most famous image of the film is Sean Connery inside a giant teddy bear. Yes, um, he obviously whips his um, teddy bear head off three to five seconds in because yes. um, otherwise you wouldn't have known who Sean Connery, which one Sean Connery was. <laughs> could it be me? <laughs> could it be me? Or could it be me? <laughs> Which one of us is a teddy? The Irish Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> and it sticks with you, and you think, oh, that's a slightly bizarre. It's uh, a slightly bizarre moment. It's a, it's a bizarre moment from the film. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a, it's a moment where the filmmakers or the designers went, let's put this scene in. Yeah. Because this is weird, isn't this it? This feels 60s. This is random. Do you remember teddies? Yeah. Do you remember Twiggy? Do you? No, I don't. Oh, well, let's do I it anyway, do. you know. Yeah. Well, let's just fucking do that anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, and, and you go, okay. Well, that's you know, that looked quite cool. Yeah. Okay. It was. It was. It, there were a lot of very interesting stylistic decisions because there were some people involved who actually liked this. I think. Yeah. It's worth getting in a little bit into its production. I'm not going to go full Street Fighter on you right now. Yeah. But it's worth it. Um. Sorry. Um. Jeremiah Chichik is the director. Um. He directed. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, one of, of my favourite comedy films, watch every year. Uh, Benny and June, the sort of Johnny Depp um, early film. He said it was a joy to film. He, okay. he wanted um, Nicole Kidman for the lead, interestingly. Right. But Nicole Kidman um, was getting involved in Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. And I think at that point in history, if, if someone told you they were making a Stanley Kubrick film, you just assumed you weren't going to see him for several years. <laughs> she came out of that film like 18 months and one marriage later. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, a different person. Newly single Nicole Kidman, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> and Scientology. Yeah, so he said there were two executive producers on this movie. Yeah. One of them didn't want to make it from the start, and the other one loved it. I don't know why you would set that up. <laughs> like, hey, w- hey, buddy, what do you think of this uh, decision? Yeah, that sounds like re- a really good idea. Thanks very much. Oh, thanks. And how about you? Go fuck yourself. Hmm, okay. <laughs> I like it. I like what you're saying. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try and learn from it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna own it, okay? So he jabs a jabs a fork in his thigh fifteen times, <laughs> and then he goes on to direct the next scene. One and of the one of those guys was promoted. <laughs> one of them was fired. Guess which was which? Ooh. <laughs> now, based on the film, 
I'm going to be a cynic <laughs> here and say it was uh, it was Bucky Larson's flatmate who got the yes, the it was promotion. hateful Joe yeah. who um, stayed on the film. Um, and after test screenings in Mexico, um, said that the film was too English. Um, Twenty <laughs> minutes was cut, uh, according to the director to, and also people who have read the original shooting script. Yeah. Uh, the twenty minutes that made it make sense ah. and character moments apparently, which would have been nice. That would have been nice because the majority of the character moments were um, Rafe Fiennes and Uma Thurman exchanging innuendos in yeah. incredibly outstandingly wooden. Oh god! Ways. Yeah, it, it's the idea of self-assured, which is just interpreted as just not caring about anything. So, like when danger happens, it's like, oh, we seem to be in a spot of bother here. It's, yeah. It's just, no, no. Hmm, what do you uh, What do you suggest, Mrs. Peel? I say this is a bit much. I mean, I, at first I thought maybe I had an issue with Uma Thurman's accent. I thought, God, that's an outrageous English accent. L- listen <laughs> to the way she's accentuating all the vowels there. You know, yeah. the, the accent is in the vowels, you know, unless... Yeah. In, apart from, you know, all the exceptions to that. Um, <laughs> Except when it isn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it wasn't. It was... The, it was it was the way they were, it was delivered, yes. especially the word "you." I don't know why, but she kind of sucked it in at the same time as as as, as speaking. That's true. Every so often, she would say, "Well, I don't see why I should bother with you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then she, uh, <laughs> and then she like wrapped it, wrapped herself around Ray, Ray finds his face and laid her eggs in his uh, stomach. <laughs> yeah, it just really really takes you out of the moment. It did. I mean, appa- and apparently the tone was all over the place. I found. And that was in no part um, hindered by the music. And in fact, the original music person, legendary music person, <laughs> Michael Kamen, who did the music for um, Die Hard, Band of Brothers, that excellent oh. theme. Um, and most importantly to me, the original X-Men. He said that composing the um, score for this movie with all the edits that were coming in was like aiming at a moving target. Because every one that came in had a completely different tone. And like he, right. he eventually left to go make Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> That was the better option. Ouch! <laughs> it, it's hard because it's also also wooden and so awkward in terms of its tone because the, the music doesn't know. Sometimes it'll play sweet music and it's like, mm. oh, sometimes it'll play like dramatic music over a moment that's meant to be silly. Uh, my issue with it from maybe the first minute was mm. c- it came out a year after Austin Powers and yeah. When you when you shoot for movie shoot for um, a score which kind of similar to Bond yeah. but not quite it's just going to sound like the Austin Powers soundtrack yeah and it was um you know you'd have a like a a moody mm. shot of the London skyline yeah and this music playing and you, and you just expect a fucking like snaggletooth like <laughs> to just comedy version of an left. Englishman to come in going yeah baby <laughs> yeah it wasn't sort of dark night but it's it's hard to tell because there is actually a petition to go around to get those 20 minutes put back in the film right. if you go to at Avengers 98 on Twitter you'll find the um you'll find the sort of petition there and I've signed it because I'm curious but mm. like I mean does it even exist I yes. guess somewhere although you have to reason if it did exist it would have been leaked by now Mm. at some stage but um at least someone would have uh, released it as a, a director's cut I, I before anyone else realized i don't know if anyone cares well you care i care and like the people at at avengers 98 care <laughs> but i actually i've signed it i signed it before we watched the film thinking yeah i, I want to see what that's yeah. like now that i've seen the film i don't really want to see another version even if it is longer and better yeah because unlike what movies have we talked about where the director's cut, we've wanted to see a director's cut of it? Street Fighter. Yeah. I'd like um, to see the original Fan Forstick. Fan F- yes, right. Fan Forstick. Yes. Um, we'd mm. love to see a, a version of that before the editors got hold of it. This, 
Was there enough good in it to make you think it could have been a good film with 20 more minutes in it? Well, not really. It was... My issue with films of this ilk is British comedies that try to go large scale end up feeling so terribly, terribly small. Yes. And twee. You You can do a very cool... Which you know will save for the one better thing, yeah. Um, English spy yeah, movie sure. that is fucking cool. But when when it's you know, tea, Miss um, Mrs. Peel, yes. Um, oh, you, men you know, appear to be shooting at us. Yeah, what you, a bore. You drive you drive a car that has a teapot in it uh, that dispenses tea, and it's what? always full. <laughs> a car with a teapot in it wasn't isn't too bad, but it was a tea dispenser like in the dashboard. I prefer to think of it as a teapot in a car. <laughs> Nonsense! Because what is a teapot? Not <gasps> a vessel for tea. Is a teapot without tea in it still a waste of time? <laughs> was the film set in the sixties? Because the the TV show was, yeah. and like it, it made sense for the TV show to be set in the sixties. Maybe because only my detachment now. But I, I figure if I were watching in the sixties, I would think yes, these sort of robots and maniacal millionaires probably is the sort of problem that the upper classes are dealing with whilst you know we try and get on with the craze yeah. <laughs> and our problems god bless them god bless them uh, like but now it's, it, i wondered if this was meant to be now because it's a very odd london we get to see it's actually an imdb mm. piece of trivia that when they're driving on the roads there are no other cars yes and that's actually a thing london feels empty yes apart from the scene in the men's club i don't think we see any character who's not a main character in the film yes nothing to suggest a world outside of the the storyline yeah um i do think it was set in the 60s because yes. other, otherwise um having what a computer the fuck is car, happening you know is yeah <laughs> yeah because <laughs> we live in london and it just don't look like london i mean 28 days later I had an empty london as well um <laughs> they had to film it at 4 a.m um before all the normal people came out yeah um, it's just Cillian Murphy. Yeah, and uh, Killian Murphy. Oh, I do ex- excuse me. It's actually Killian, uh, <laughs> Gwendolyn, Twiddleton, <laughs> <laughs> Piddly Pondlespoon, Murphy. Twam. Pronounced Murphy. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's Gaelic, isn't it? So it's yeah. pronounced uh, Shawshay. <laughs> but it had to have been set in the sixties, otherwise yeah. their tech. Their secret, super secret government tech, you know, yeah. wouldn't have been so impressive. You can get <laughs> that out, in Audi now. Giant bees. Yeah. I can get that fucking gadget shop. And Eddie Izzard would have had a slightly better haircut. <laughs> yeah. And would have said that he would have lost his credibility as a 60s thug. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is what thugs look like in the 60s. Look out or I will punch you. Hey, he's chewing gum. All right. Oh, yeah. I, I kept imagining. I kept, he was walking around with his sort of, you know, stand-up swagger. There's a bit in uh, Glorious when he's talking about um, being confronted by like four blokes right. who are like, they, you know, see him in a dress and they're like, oh, Tracy. <laughs> and, 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 you know, he's talking like, my name is not Tracy. I just expected him to go into that routine. Cause he, mm, well, he famous, he actually, um, he was meant to have more lines in the film, but he insisted he not have them <laughs> because I guess because he knew if he spoke, it would somewhat ruin the illusion. The problem Hello. is... <laughs> May I be self-indulgent for a moment and talk a little bit about the original show? Yeah. Cool. It was meant as a parody of shows that were coming over from America, like Mission Impossible, The Man from Uncle, and Batman. You know, although Batman, you know, but still, it was meant to be a very British take on a very American idea. Um, and each season features Steed and an assistant. Hmm. Um, and after 
the main male assistant of the first series left. They brought in a, a, a female character played by Honor Blackman, mm-hmm. um, and they just let her keep all of the male dialogue. They didn't change it at all. As a result, it was seen as very progressive because it was a woman in a role, and it wasn't about her being a woman, mm. which is something they kept going in the show. Eventually, Honor Blackman left in order to do Bond, a recurring theme with the women of the Avengers, it seems. Um, and Diana Rigg came in, and they wanted to write a character who had man appeal. That was the idea. They wanted someone who could appeal to the men. You know men? Um, they wanted someone with man appeal, and that's how they refer to her in the script as the man appeal, or the M dot appeal. M appeal. M appeal. Uh, M appeal. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Do I feel weird about that? <laughs> it's a little weird, but it was the 60s. <laughs> so it's okay. Sean Connery is permissible in the 60s. Uh, yeah, M appeal... God, I've ruined that for you, everybody now. Um, was played by Diana Rigg, who a lot of contemporary listeners may mm. recognize from Game of Thrones, mm. uh, where she plays the uh, Queen of Thorns, uh, the head of the uh, Martell. Tyrell. Tyrell. Tyrell family. Yes. Um, she, I mean, that rewatching these shows like 50 years after they were made, she is really what made it for me. She's yeah. extraordinary. Her voice is incredible. Uma Thurman's accent was credible. So does Emma, Uma Furman's voice. Under the circumstances, you may call me Mrs. Peel. Then there's Diana Rigg. Don't bother, I can't keep our lunch date. Hey. I have another appointment. It's just, it's a whole other mm. ballpark. And she was, it was ahead of its time in as much as she was a martial arts expert, master of judo, um, incredibly intelligent. Diana Rigg or... Um, Diana Rigg. <laughs> there's nothing progressive about the adventures. <laughs> um, the film. Um... Yeah, and it was actually considered too violent for America. The Midwestern states complained that there was too much violence in it. Huh. Which is interesting for a, a quaint little British show. Too much shin. Too much shin. Too much uh, man appeal. And they had outlandish ideas. They had like them getting shrunk to doll size, killer robots, a mind-transfiguring machine. Huh. A, a, um, one of the best episodes is The Hidden Tiger, in which domestic moggies have been brainwashed via technology to uh, become vicious animals. <laughs> it's great. Aww. It's very silly. I think silliness is kind of the quaintness of it. The, the dynam- dynamic between them works really well. Yeah. Um, for example, each episode of season five begins with Emma Peel getting a call to arms. Mm. And that would manifest by her finding a sign or something that said Mrs. Peel. And then the next part of the sign would be you're needed or we're needed. For right. example, at one point she goes into her house and there's a toy train. And the train goes past and there's a sign on it that says Mrs. Peel. And then Steve is behind her and says, we're needed. I'd like you to pitch for me your suggestion for a Emma Peel, we're needed reveal. Okay, so <laughs> um, uh, what immediately comes to mind is um, she's walking, she's strolling through a field on a summer's day. Um, in the, the very, very far distance is a hot air balloon. with, okay. um, And if she, she squints... And she can just about make out her name in a very fine, like, stitching on it. She's like, that is Emma Peel. And uh, John Steele is right behind her and goes, you're needed! <laughs> just being a real dick about it. <laughs> so, I mean, so that was my suggestion. Um, I mean, the, the what the film did, they went, yes. oh, this is really cool. This, You know, this is a really yeah. cool um, conceit. We'll, we'll, we'll use this. Yeah. She gets a telegram to say, pick up the phone. Yeah. It says, you're needed. Which yeah. is, is, is kind of, it's, <laughs> it's symbolic of, of just where the film, 
just failed again and again. I think yeah, it, like no... going from what you said, it's take it took all of the like all of the impressive bits of the of the series, the bits yeah. that made you think, oh, this is very progressive and cool. Mm. And it just it drew attention to it or just gave a real lackluster version, like a B yeah. movie. So, yeah, I'm less enthusiastic about this one being a sort of ruined by the studio hidden gem. I feel like they ne- didn't necessarily have the ideas right earlier on than that. Yes. My um, overall impression of it was that it felt like a kid's film. Yeah. Like the, the, the aesthetic of it and the feel of it. And mm. I think it's like you said with the no extras thing yeah you know, no no there was no there was no population in london yeah. um everything felt like it was built on a very like a very small set on a very mm. small budget like a lot of kids it films was cheap do mm. yeah like with kevin spacey parachuting onto the top of brand yeah Towers. sure it's it, it just looks you just know it's a kid's film yeah and i'm not sure w- why um yeah. i mean with 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 that film like you said it was the um the, yeah. the color correction yeah um it's not helped by taking interesting things from the series yeah and just throwing and just them throwing in, them in references. yeah like a patchwork yeah. quilt made out of i think shitty dreams the most crucial thing about the series for me the first episode i watched emma peel walks into a room john cedar's there she makes she smiles and makes a coy comment she clearly enjoys his company yeah. it's a very snappy comment yeah and i think the wit and the warmth between the two characters is what was missing from this you can put up with any sort of tedious weird shit in the plot if that central dynamic between the two and a funniness oh, is there. Yeah, but it absolutely. Wasn't funny. There was, yeah, there was no. The, it wasn't funny, and there was no chemistry really. No. On their own, perfectly, perfectly good actors. Absolutely. Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes um, mm. together with this film, with that delivery. You know, you you had Ray Fiennes giving it his Ray Fiennes business. Mm. Um, the you know the the lingering stares and yeah. the. The sort of plummy, the charming accent. Yes, that he's he has wrapped going up on. his own already fairly posh accent to a mm. sort of upper upper class. Yes, drollness. Yes. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be out and out funny. It doesn't have to be yeah. lol funny. No, it just. It's just. It just has to tickle you. It just has to amuse you in in yeah. very small ways. And this, they saw that. And again, this is like a cookie cutter process from series to film. They saw that, went, that's good, we'll do that in our film. Yeah. And then whoever was responsible for it just just wrote every line as an innu- as innuendo. Yeah. And, and went, is that what you wanted? <laughs> che- che- Chechen, whatever your name is? Chechen, because I remember Chichen. it sounded like a gun getting loaded. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, is that what you wanted, Mr. Um, gun? Chechik. Chechik. Gunload? Sorry. Mr. Gunload. And he went, basically, yeah. Got it. That's a film, everyone. <laughs> it felt like let's do what's necessary. Like yeah. let's tick the boxes of what's going to make an Avengers movie. And and and, and again to bring it back to Austin Powers at the very same mm. time they were lampooning the the innuendo. When yeah. The 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 thing that he you know the 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 running joke of the, throughout the three films of his innuendo bit mm. and his you know his pun his punning yeah is that the his his um uh, sidekick quickly tires of it yeah. Uh, and that's the joke. Yeah. Whereas in in this, that was their that was their like, characterization. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, ironically, this feels a lot like the kind of thing that the original TV sh- series was set up to um, parody. Yeah. Is the thing. It feels like the straight version that Austin Powers will then be the joke version of. Yes. Mm. I mean, I remember you gro- groaning when Steed and uh, Peel kiss. Um, yeah, because it was always very subtle in the series. Yeah their romance and their tension kissing kind of draws attention to it mm. and it's much better when it's an unresolved 
It, you don't you don't have to do a Joss Whedon. Yeah, and have no one gets happiness ever. <laughs> but I prefer that. We, it's just the life we live, isn't it? <laughs> it's nice to know that other people go through it as well. Yeah, I guess. Um, you might be Nathan Fillion, <laughs> but you're going to die alone. Yeah, yeah. Take it, that, Nathan Fillion. <laughs> burn. We love you. Miss. Yeah, it feels like they missed the point. Yeah, and of, they could of be the, doing of the original. Instead, they could be doing one of the things that we did like. Uh, speaking of, yeah. shall we quickfire? Yeah. The lighting in the greenhouse scene. So Uma Thurman is sexually molested by one of the places <laughs> in which Sean Connery sexually molests Uma Thurman yeah. is a greenhouse full of like fauna hmm. um, and flora. Actually, it's only one, not the other. Which one is animals? There is flora. There's flora. That's yeah. right. The, fa- the only fauna on show is Uma Thurman and Sean Connery. Yes. Um, and the light cascading through the vines and the mist yes. uh, was uh, pretty cool. Hmm. Looked like a set they built. Oh. Um, I actually liked the um, the multiple seasons scene when he's struggling to get into the phone box. Oh yeah, with the thunderstorm like hammering against the the the, the glass yeah. when he's inside, and then the very next scene. Um, it was almost like a, a like a a Lynchian transition for me, going <laughs> from there to suddenly he's in a tundra. Yeah, with um, and and then Emma Peel turns up being pulled by huskies. Yeah, there was something quite surreal about it, and I appreciated that. <laughs> Um, and, and that also comes into one of my favourite bits, which was, there's a scene where they go into a basement, they're having the project explained to them, mm. and they have, like, in a showroom mm. for weather, like, you could have this weather in your cu- country if you pay this money. Yes. They had globes that had the weather in them, like, isolated little examples of the weather, mm. and I thought that was really neat. That was a very cool aesthetic. Yeah, it, it yeah. looked good. Do you like Rafe Fiennes? Yeah. Um, I think like, the, the, the appeal of Rafe Fiennes is knowing that there's a Ben Kingsley style psychopath just <laughs> just underneath the surface. Yeah, there. there's a Harry from In Bruges. Just exactly. Waiting yeah, below it's, it's every skin. every film that he's ever been in, will ever be in, is helped inordinately by the fact that he was Harry in In Bruges. Um, in one of the sequences in which Peel is captured, she falls down a pit, and mm. there's a shot. There's various shots of her sort of falling down this tunnel, and it's mm. pretty good. Like, it really looked rough, you know, like a rough fall down this hill. Yeah, there's a really nice symmetry to um, one of the scenes following the teddy bear uh, roundup. Yep. As today, the teddy bears have their roundup. <laughs> um, Sean Connery kills two of them for wanting to back out of the deal. Yeah. Um, and they're just left dead on on the the table. Mm. And it's a very it's almost chrome this room the the shading the color scheme of it. Yeah. And then you've got like a, a very sort of uh, like a like a big like a long mahogany table where the you know colors all drowned out. Yeah. Uh, drained out. And then you've got these two like a corpses in like in, in bright pink and green teddy bear costumes. Yeah. There's a nice symmetry to the scene that was reminiscent for me of the Renaissance room Ooh. in um in Space Odyssey. Ah, lovely. Um <laughs> yeah. Um which I think is probably the crowning moment of the film. <laughs> uh, excellent. Both films. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked um Patrick uh McNee. Yep. As the um Invisible Colonel. It felt it felt good. It felt like a cool conceit that he was messing around with invisibility with camouflage technology and something went wrong and now he's just invisible. Yeah. And he's gotta be stuck down there and um as he says, you know, don't I often don't get the tea trolley even. Yeah. That that sounded like a fun idea. It did get a bit too close to magic, which is a p- important distinction. The Avengers is sci fi, not yeah. magic. Get it right. Get it right. Chin. Yeah, because that was almost like um that population that we wanted. That was like oh, an, yeah. an ancillary char- character, wasn't it? Ooh, you spoilers. Yeah, your... it's like, ooh, you, with your world building. <laughs> Don't. God, you know what? I think when he was on his way down there, he might have passed like an undersecretary or something. 
it's probably, pie in the sky. Probably didn't have a name. It's probably just <laughs> S. Equitry. <laughs> Near the end of the film, just, I think it's after mm-hmm. uh, she dispatches Eddie Izzard. Um, it was just when you went out to get a painkiller. <laughs> um, she, there's, there's, there's a, a wide shot with this, you know, this huge, um, like structure that they're in, in on his special island. You know, in, in like in the background is just is you just get the impression that it's this enormous place, kind yeah. of like what's the name of the like the 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 thing in X Men? Cerebro. Oh, Cerebro. Yeah. Kind of like Cerebro, just like enormous, sparse, and she is climbing down a ladder which is attached to like a, a pillar, right? And she's semi silhouetted, hmm. and it's got a Blade Runner feel to it. It looks <laughs> it looks very cool. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, another good, another good shot there. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, in the fight scene where Sean Connery is fighting um, Steed, they are on a balcony um, in a very terribly edited sequence. But it looks like a real set they've built with an actual wave machine, yeah. and there's flowing water and a torrent, and yeah. they're fighting with swords, and it's a pretty cool set, if not a very good fight scene. I think my. F- favorite part of the movie interestingly was an action sequence that worked for me and it was the action sequence in which um steed and emma i mean it's apropos of nothing and it adds nothing to the plot whatsoever are attacked by eddie Izzard and his fleet of robotic bees as ridiculous as that sounds bees ah covered in bees (laughs) that's all eddie Izzard knows he just all he knows is his best sketches oh no and and then he's like oh how about a cake or death scene no covered in bees D- yes. Darth Vader at a canteen. Th- th- there's a lot of problems with doing that. <laughs> so many. We'll stick, we'll stick with the bees one. Um, so the bees attack. The bees are CGI. They don't look that terrible. But if you look past the bees that are in the foreground, mm. some pretty great business going on with the car. The Rolls Royce. Oh, yeah. it might be a Jaguar. Actually, I think it was a Jaguar E type sure. in the series. Um, they're avoiding explosions and machine mm. gun fire. And Steve gets in the back seat and takes a machine gun off one of the bees. And yeah. he takes a machine gun off of one of the bees. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots back at them, and it's fucking great. And I guess by implication, Peel was then driving the car. Although I don't remember that happening. Women can't drive. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Not in the sixties. They get there menstruation all over the wheel yeah it's too slippy i was going for something less gross but i couldn't think of any no you hit it hit the nail on the head there man excellent good stuff good stuff welcome to ogt the menstrual prep podcast (laughs) it looked great and and after the uh bees are mostly defeated eddie Izzard sort of kicks his car into gear and he's chasing them after them too and they're going for the woods and it reminded me of like a good bond chase sequence yeah and it really was. It was mostly practical, and there was some stunts and some stunt driving. Yeah, would su- suggest that the film was a labour of at least a little bit of love. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Well, I think we're done talking about the Avengers, nineteen ninety eight, unaffiliated with Marvel. Shall we talk about the one better thing? The one better thing. Yes. The idea of re- of reviving um, an old sixties TV show was actually um, something that was happening in the nineties. Um, you had the Saint, the old. Um, Roger Moore vehicle mm-hmm. suddenly be re- uh, revived, not very well. But more more crucially, you had Mission Impossible mm. in 1996, the Tom Cruise film, directed by Brian De Palma. Um, and I think that show captured the spirit of its original in a more serious way than this did. It knew how to blend sort of the absurdity yeah. with the straight-facedness. Um, the Mission Impossible series is very interesting to follow because they keep getting a different director in for each one. Yeah, it changes with the times the, the, mm. the, the, the movies have done. There's a real nice... Yeah. Uh, progression. 
there's very few series that do that passing the sort of exquisite corpse thing well where mm. it's like okay that's my movie you do the next one yeah um usually there's like a custodian who has to like manage the whole thing but yeah. am i mission impossible i think all five films are worth checking out there's something in each one of them that makes mm. it unique to that director and i think that's commendable yeah you gotta like john woo you've gotta like john woo and who does not like john woo come on come on come on is You're it like- you is it you? It's We're always you. you. Get Barry. out. Yeah, and in a very similar vein, we've got The Man from Uncle, uh, mm. which is uh, Guy Ritchie's revival of the uh, 1960s, was it? Yeah, 1960 um, show. Yeah, yeah um, with uh, very charismatic Henry Cavill, with yep. a, an outrageous American accent, um, <laughs> and the very charismatic Army Hammer doing an outrageous Russian accent. <laughs> um, yeah, playing, C- is it CIA and... and um- KGB? Yes, CIA, CIA and uh, KGB, KGB. yeah. And, and also you've got Hugh Grant doing an incredibly outrageous Hugh Grant accent. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> it, it has it has all the bravado, all the all the all the campiness. Yeah, just all the you know the really good fun of of you know what a revival like that should be a celebration of the old of the old show that is accessible to to modern audiences. It, it doesn't it doesn't do anything particularly new, but it's um mm. it's just a really satisfying really satisfying watch and probably yeah. one of the one of the better action films from that season. Oh, absolutely. The next one I uh, alluded to a little bit earlier about a uh, like a, a good British spy movie mm. for the modern times, and that of course is Kingsman. Yeah, directed by Math- Matthew Vaughan, who mm. um, pff, I mean, as far as I can tell, is just getting better and better. Yeah. So, Lake Cake, Kick-Ass, First Class. Kick-Ass, I love. Lake Cake, Stardust, Kick-Ass, First Class, Kingsman. Yeah. It's got all the all the hallmarks of a Matthew Vaughan yeah. movie. It's funny, it's cool, it's got a great cast, it's very well choreographed action, mm. um, and it's at, at, at times just ridiculously violent. Yeah. Um, really one of the is. most memorable memorable action scenes of oh, all time. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. It's, yeah. I mean, Not to spoil anything, but as soon as Freebird by Leonard Skinner starts, you're you're in for a good time. Yeah, although that's a general rule. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Kingsman already, yeah, that is the recommendation from this from this week's. I totally agree. It's yeah. one of the more entertaining action movies of the last few years. Um, my last recommendation to all of you is to do what I did in preparation for this podcast and check out the original Avengers TV show. Um, some of it's aged, as you'd expect from a 50-year-old camp British TV show. Diana, Diana Rigg just fucking owns the whole thing. And if I was going to recommend an episode to you, um, it would be The House That John Built, which is an episode in which Diana Rigg's character is... Um, fooled into going to the country under somewhat stupid pretenses she gets a letter saying your uncle john has left you a house in his will she's like i didn't know, even know i had an uncle john and it's like okay i guess Nothing this is suspicious before, there. before google i guess <laughs> but um she heads out and she ends up trapped in the house yeah uh, and the house is a sort of crazy mechanical mansion with repeating hallways and rooms that she can't seem to get out of and she has to think her way out mm. and you watch her do it you watch her reactions a lot of it is without dialogue and it's just rig's mm. ability and her charisma it, it, i have so many things described her as self-assured and that is it all over she is self-assured she just she has this power to her every movement feels deliberate it's really fucking something to watch her go and steed is great too he's mm. just a fun bumbling kind of character and up top they're still searching for us i feel like the filling in a club sandwich we could run the portcullis down jam the mechanism yeah maybe i should watch it then 
I could recommend some episodes that are really fun. I mean, like I say, some of it has dated a little, but mm. well, I mean, what hasn't? I know yeah. I have. I mean, the wire's dated. Oh god, yeah, but it's <laughs> still absurd. one of the best one hundred thousand shows out there <laughs> that you should be watching. Yeah, all of them. Um, yeah, I'll do House of Cards, and then I'll go on to the Avengers. Yeah, then Penny Dreadful. Then Penny Dreadful. Excellent. Then and Twin then, Peaks. Yeah, then Twin Peaks, and then you should be ready for death. Yeah. About <laughs> death o'clock by then. <laughs> I'll embrace it. Wide open arms. <laughs> thank you, Diana Rig. And thank you for listening to The One Better Thing. The One Better Thing. The One Better Thing. Yeah, so that's it. Thanks very much to... The Video Negative Boys. You can oh, yeah. find them on Twitter at Video Negative. And you can find us on OGT Pod. And you can find us on Facebook at OGT Pod. <laughs> and you can find and us on Gmail your at OGT Pod at gmail.com. And in your cupboard. Ah! <laughs> almost got you there. Oh, we're not there Scamps. yet. That's, uh, we're almost at the end of Recommendations Month. Yep, we've got one more to go. One more stunker. One more stunker. Yes. And then we'll be doing something, yeah, a little, little interesting. Yeah. Hopefully. We're, yeah, looking forward to that one. And we'll be back. We will be thank back. You, thank you. I'm Paul Sold. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember, the one good thing about the Avengers 1998 unaffiliated with Marvel is the scene where Eddie Izzard and Sean Ryder are in a car trying to kill Joseph Fiennes and Uma Thurman in their car with a whole bunch of robot bees what the fuck was this film? (laughs)